So if we use the term, or if I use the term, to be more specific, the American dream, everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? And yet, if I came to each one of you and asked you exactly what the American dream was, I'd probably get different variations of a definition exactly what it is. On a very basic level, for a lot of people, it's like the American dream is owning your own house, having a good career, retiring comfortably, and the kids are okay. If you want to be a little bit more idealistic and official, I guess, you could say it this way. It's the idea that every citizen of the United States should have an equal opportunity to achieve success and prosperity through hard work, determination, and initiative. If you want to take it even a step further, this term was actually coined in 1931 by a guy by the name of James Truslow Adams, and here's what he actually defined the great American dream as. It's this, life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone with opportunity for each according to his ability or achievement, regardless of social class of circumstances or birth. But it's this basic idea that we all are able to live and enjoy and experience the good life and that term, good life, can then be measured or quantified in some tangible, materialistic way. So in other words, we can point to something and say, this is evidence that I am living the good life. And it's usually something I have or something that I'm able to do or some opportunity. But we have our definitions of what the American dream is. Or to even back it up a step, we have our definitions and our ideas of what the good life actually is. Well, I want to back up even further when we talk about the American dream to look at what one of the founders of our country said about it. And he didn't use that term. In fact, he was considered the father of our country. It was George Washington. And he had a phrase that he used that was designed to explain what he felt like the good life was. In fact, we can go back into his writings and his communications, correspondence and such, and he uses this phrase almost 50 times, and here it is. Are you ready? Every man sitting under his own vine and fig tree. Every man sitting under his own vine and fig tree. Now, that seems a little curious, doesn't it, for a, a definition of the good life or the American dream, especially when you consider the fact that there were no fig trees in the original colonies. In fact, the only fig trees we have are out in California, and uh, that's where figs are harvested here in the United States. So how did he come up with that line, and why did he say that? We got it out of the Bible, and it's actually a line that shows up in the Bible in four different places. And we're going to look at those four different places today as we continue on in our Taste and See series. And we're going to talk about this food item here of figs. And so what I want to do is actually, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and turn to the first place, which is in 1 Kings chapter 4. But figs are actually pretty prevalent in the Bible, and we see them in dozens of places. You can think about some of the stories of, in fact, the, the creation story, Adam and Eve sin, and they need to cover themselves. What do they cover themselves with? Fig leaves. And so we see the fig tree mentioned first there. 
We also see the, uh, Jesus tell a parable about the fig tree. We also see him later on curse the fig tree. We remember Zacchaeus who climbed up in a tree to see Jesus. We sing sycamore tree, but it was actually a sycamore fig tree. And so we see fig trees throughout Scripture. But we see the same phrase about fig trees show up in four different places. And it actually has something to do with what I started with here. The American Dreamer, or better said, the good life. And so the question this morning is, what do you define the good life as? And since it's a family Sunday, let's go ahead and extend that question a little bit. What is the dream of a good life that you even have for your kids? And what would that look like? And what does all of this have to do with figs? Well, the the passage we're going to start with is the 1 Kings chapter 4. And we're talking about Solomon as king now. He is reigning in Jerusalem, and it's a time of incredible uh, political and economic uh, prosperity. Things are going great. The world is living at peace. Uh, Israel, Judah, they, they are like the model society. They are the envy of the world. And this is what it says about Solomon's day here. It says this, Judah and Israel were as many as the sand by the sea. They ate and drank and were happy. Verse number 21, Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. And we jump down here into verse number 24. For Solomon had dominion over all the region west of the Euphrates from Tifsa to Gaza, over all the kings west of the Euphrates. And notice these next lines. And he had peace on all sides around him. And you can see this on the screen. And Judah lived safely from Dan even to Beersheba, Every man under his vine and under his fig tree, all the days of Solomon. Were they literally, each one of them, did they each get a fig tree? I don't think so. The point was they all lived in a way that it was symbolically represented by the fig tree. And the fig tree represented the peace on all sides, the fact that they had plenty to eat, the fact that they were sheltered, that they were enjoying prosperity, that they weren't having to worry about the next day or who was going to attack them next or the bad that was going to happen. Their reality was that life was good. They were literally living the dream under Solomon. Now, of course, we know it didn't stay that way because as history proceeds on, the kingdom of Israel split into Israel and into Judah, and the people stopped following God, and they start following idols and doing their own thing. And eventually, God sends judgment, and he sends judgment to the northern kingdom through the Assyrians who take them into captivity. And that captain of the Assyrian army was a guy by the name of Sennacherib. It's Sennacherib actually shows up in Judah, the other kingdom, and he attempts to conquer them as well. And so the second time that we see this phrase shows up in 2 Kings chapter 18, and it's this Sennacherib who's talking to the people of Israel, actually Judah. I'm doing my best not to click stuff. Sorry. I'm going to switch to a different microphone. And so Sennacherib is talking to the people of of Judah, and this is what he has to say. Um, And and, 
verse number 28 of 2 Kings 18. Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah, he was the king of Judah, deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you out of my hand. Don't let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord by saying, the Lord will surely deliver us, and this city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Don't listen to him. For this is what the king of Assyria says, Make peace with me, come out to me, then each one of you will eat of his own vine, and each one his own fig tree. And you will drink the water of his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own. And so Sennacherib comes and says, you just need to surrender to me. And then here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you prosperity that Hezekiah can't give you, that God can't give you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to take you to another land, which is a thousand miles away, but I'm going to give you this prosperity. And so we see that phrase comes up there again, but it's a false promise that Sennacherib makes. He says, if you'll surrender to me, life will be good. And I just bring our attention to this and give us something to think about here for a second. There's a lot of people and there's a lot of uh, things that we hear in culture and the world around us says, do this and you're going to enjoy the good life. Just be warned that you're going to sacrifice your freedom to get there. And that's exactly what was going on in this situation. And by the way, God comes through, and through Hezekiah, he rescues the Jews, and Sennacherib does not conquer uh, the Jews at that point. The next time we see this phrase that shows up, it's in Micah chapter 4. Micah was one of the minor prophets. And Micah, in this case, is talking about future events, future events that we still haven't even experienced. He's talking about the second coming of Christ. When Jesus will come back to the earth, well, he will reign on the earth. We talk about the millennial kingdom. And he's referring to that day when he says this in Micah 4. We start reading verse number 3. He, the, the Messiah, shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. In other words, there's going to be peace when the Messiah comes. We don't need weapons. We just need to you know, farm the land. And then it says this, Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore, but they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. And this is a time yet to come. But this is significant to us in that it shows us what God's heart is for his people. This is how it's going to be someday, but this is also how it can be today for us. Because the ultimate kingdom hasn't come in its fullness, but when Jesus came, he brought the kingdom. And the elements of the kingdom that the world will enjoy someday in the future, we can still enjoy and live into those things today. And one of those things or promises is this, that we can sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. And here it's not George Washington's version of the American dream. It's God's version of the dream for each of his people. The dream of the good life and what it looks like. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about the fig, the fig tree. I want to talk about fig trees and what this actually would have meant to people back in the day if they heard this phrase. It was an idiom, it was a phrase that evidently was, was passed around. 
But what did it exactly mean, and what does it mean for us today? So I'm going to get some of our kids to help us out. I need five kids. Can you help me out there, Nicole? Get me five. Uh, some different ones from what we had the first time. And we're going to get this set up here. These are not fig trees, but they're going to have to do. Going to help me carry a tree. And we're just going to spread these out here. So you got a tree. Nice. How about if we put it right about here, all right? We're going to put that one over there. And there you go. And put a chair in front of each tree, all right, guys? You got it. You got it, man. That's a heavy one. We're gonna we're gonna put it right. We're gonna put it right here, right here. That's good, beautiful. And let's put a chair in front of that tree. And then you guys can have a seat in the chair, right? Musical chairs. That was not the plan, but hey, it will work. All right, all right. So here we have each man sitting under his fig tree. All right, and you guys are gonna help me to understand what that actually means. So we'll we'll start all the way down here. The first tree represents the tree of security. Can you hold that for me? There you go. That's really good. All right. So the tree of security or safety. If you notice what we read, those, those verses, what did it talk about? He had peace on all sides around him. Judah and Israel lived in safety. They lived without fear. They lived without worry. They lived without anxiety. Why? Because they knew that they were safe. And when we talk about the good life, even for us today, wouldn't it be great if we could live without worry and if we could live without anxiety and if we could live without fear? But for so many of us, our lives are actually defined by fear. Our lives are defined by anxiety. And sometimes it's like we fear the enemy and, and we live in a world where there are real enemies and we're like, oh no, what's going to happen here? Well, what's going to happen is the fact that God's still going to be in control, and we're still going to be fine. And a lot of times we work ourselves into this fear of all the bad things, the catastrophic things that could happen, and it discounts and ignores the fact that God is in control and that God gives us safety and God gives us security. And we can get up every single day, and we can sit under our fig tree and say, you know what? Whatever happens today, I am going to be okay because God is still my king. And God is still in control in this world. And I think we need to remind ourselves of the fact that God is our source. God is our security. We don't need to fear the enemy. We don't need to fear bad news. We don't need to fear any of these things. We can live in safety and in security. We can take a deep breath and say, hey, it's going to be okay. But how many times does worry, does anxiety, does fear of the future, does it steal from our joy? Does it steal from our ability to live the good life? And how many times do we jump into tomorrow to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow and fail to enjoy the blessings that we have today? That's why we have this picture of the fig tree. We said, does he look stressed? Are you stressed? No, he's fine. Why? Okay, because he is secure. You ever think about this? 
I, I love Matthew uh, 6, when Jesus says, hey, the birds of the air, they don't, they don't worry about they're going to eat. The flowers, they're not worried about whether or not they're going to have food. Why not? Because they have a heavenly Father who cares for them, and they're going to be just fine. And for each of us sitting here, the encouragement from God is, hey, sit under your fig tree and feel the security that comes with that. You don't have to worry about anything going on there because we have a king to take care of us. We also see the tree of serenity, which is a nice fancy word for peace. We'll get that out of your way. All right, serenity. Notice the word that... Um, well, we, we noticed the word when we talked about this at First Kings. It talks about there was peace on all sides. But when you get to Micah's uh, take on this phrase, he actually adds a little word in there. I don't know if you noticed this or not. But he said, but they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. They shall sit. We don't live in a world that does very well at sitting. Have you noticed that? In fact, some of you, by the time we're done on Sunday mornings, it's like, okay, I, I got to get going because I have things I got to get done. I mean, there's a life to be lived here, and, and, and we are constantly amped up and revved up because we feel that, that push, like I've got to accomplish, I've got to achieve, I've got to do the next thing. And we look at our calendars, and we look at our, our, our date books, our phones, whatever, and it's like we've got these things so packed full. But living a life of serenity means this. It means living a life without chaos and confusion. And how much of our lives are defined by noise? How much of our lives are defined by the adrenaline rush? And sometimes we even love it and, and, and lean into it, but they're not defined by serenity. The idea that I can just sit, and instead of being frenzied and exhausted, I can relax and be restored and actually find rest. I can live without hurry, and where I can live without rushing around, where the pace is manageable, maybe even slow, relaxed, refreshing, where I can sit under a tree, take a deep breath, and enjoy the moment. That's serenity. Where for a little while I can step off the performance treadmill that everybody is telling me I got to do, 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 and I can just say, okay, I'm all right here just sitting. See, interesting, even when you talk about fig trees, they're like one of the shadiest trees. And sitting underneath the fig tree would also have the idea of just sitting in the shade. And you, we've all been there on that hot summer day when it's like, I just need a little break, I need a little relief. And we find a tree and we sit there in the shade and we feel the breeze. And this is what God's dream is. The fig tree life is to sit in serenity. Does that describe our life for most of us? No. Because we're constantly filling it up, afraid that we're going to miss out on something, afraid that, you know, the kids might miss out on something, and we just keep packing and packing and packing our lives full. There's no margin. And we're working like crazy to get to a day someday that already looks like this if we just stop. Someday I can, I can stop, I can retire, I can relax, I can just take it easy. God invites you to make that day today as you sit under your fig tree. Well, we move on to the next tree here that shows up here too. And this is the tree of sweetness. There you go. I'm going to try to move that out of the way a little bit so you can see the tree of sweetness. Do you know that 
figs are considered to be the sweetest fruit that there, that there is. And by the way, afterwards this morning, we have treats for you out there. We have some desserts that are made out of figs, and we have some appetizers that are made out of figs, and we actually have some fresh figs. So um, if anybody's ever had a fresh wig besides Ryan, um, they're out there if you want to try them and uh, to give you that opportunity. But figs are like 55% sugar. They're supposedly the sweetest uh, fruit that's out there. Um, so they're a great tree to own, especially if you live back in Israel, because you can go out there anytime and pick a fig. And by the way, they are super, super, um, what's, what's a good word for um, Fruitful trees. But there can be like thousands of figs on a single fig tree. So they're like super plentiful. But we talk about the sweetness. And the idea is to savor the sweetness of life. How sweet is your life? And sometimes we want to define it by all these big things when it's all these small things that we already have. Like the flavor of a good piece of fruit. Or the sunrise. Or the sunset. Or that moment when you might happen to sit with people around a fire or, or after dinner around a table or in the days of the Bible where they actually sat under the fig trees with each other. But the challenge for us is to embrace those simple, sweet things in life. Sometimes even the surprises in life, the things that, that we didn't know were going to be coming. But we have a tendency to focus on other things, including the bitter things of life. And we think about those times when we've been treated unfairly or somebody was unkind to us or, or when we were disappointed or when something's happened to us that, that, that pushes us in, in a direction we didn't want to go. And we get our minds focused on those things and those are the bitter things and we just hang on to those and sometimes we go back into the past and we relive them and, and we forecast them into the future and we fail to stop in the moment and say, what are the sweet things that I can enjoy in life right now? I know for my wife and we, we've made it to Independence Oak several times this week to the park because the weather's been nice, because the trees are beautiful. And we walk out there, and you know what we do? We enjoy the sweet things of life. And it doesn't have to be something fantastic. It can be as simple as, you know, like a, a fresh batch of chocolate chip cookies. Or, or maybe it's a song that you hear on the radio that just is like, oh, that's so good. But we have so many sweet things in life, a good book to read, a friend who calls on the phone. What are the sweet things? That's what it means to sit under your fig tree, to enjoy that sweetness in life. The next one here, it's a tree of stability. You were wondering when your turn was going to be, right? Well, it has arrived. Here's the truth about trees. They don't grow in a day. They grow over time. And we talk about the life that we all want, the good life. The good life doesn't always happen in a moment. Now, we live in a society that everything's instant. How, how quick can we get there? How quick can we get there? And sometimes we need to realize that the best things in life are the things where we slow down in that we lean into the process. And we lean into the time, and we realize that the good life may not happen in a day, but if we continue to invest, and if we continue to do the right things, and we continue to make the important things the important things, that eventually, yes, we are going to enjoy not just a little sprout, but we're going to enjoy a tree that we can appreciate. You think about the things in life that really matter. They require time, don't they? Character. 
you know, we, we don't develop character in a minute. We develop character by continually doing the right thing day after day after day, telling the truth and then telling the truth and then telling the truth. And as we do that, we build character into our lives. Relationships, they're built over time. The best relationships you have go back a long time, don't they? And where those issues of trust and where, where issues of, of, of familiarity all are developed over the course of time. We can even talk about that when we talk about our faith. Faith is developed over the long haul. I think it was Dallas Willard who wrote a book, but it was called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. But we live in this world that is now, 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 now. And sometimes we need to be reminded of the fact that, oh, just step back, wait, and be patient in life. And if we will keep doing the right thing, it will be okay. We don't need to panic when the storms come. We don't need to panic when everything's going crazy. We can sit back and say, no, no, no. I know what the right thing is here. I'm going to do the right thing. It may even feel threatening, seem threatening at this moment. But I'm going to sit under my tree of stability. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be dependable. I'm going to just keep doing the same thing that's the right thing over and over again. And then we get to that tree that we're really talking about here, the tree of satisfaction. And we talk about the American dream or the dreams that we have for ourselves. A lot of times we are thinking success. How can I prosper? How can I accumulate? How can I have this success in my life? And God offers us a different plan, a different dream, a different tree. It's the tree of satisfaction. Where I can sit and say, you know what I have is enough. I don't need something else. And what I'm experiencing right now, that's great. And I don't need to feel bad that I'm missing out on something. The problem for most of us is we're looking for more of rather than making the most of. We're looking for more of rather than making the most of. And for most of us, if not all of us, we have what we need right now in our lives to experience the satisfied life. It's good. We have the good life. We have so much already. We have the small blessings. We have the relationship. We have faith. We have Jesus. See, the American dream is so much about prosperity and success. And if we can get the prosperity and success, then we can find satisfaction. And God's like, how about if we just take an entirely different approach here? And how about if we talk about satisfaction instead? So how do we live the fig life or the good life? Thanks, guys. You can have a seat. I appreciate it. You did a great job. You can take your signs with you. But uh, yes. Just as we close this one, how do we find satisfaction? Or how do we live the good life? Let me give you four quick ideas here. First of all, be aware of what you have. Be aware of what you have. Most of us don't take two seconds to think about what you have. Okay? Has anybody thought about the fact that you can see this morning? So I got an eye infection this past week. So I went to the eye doctor, and they're like, okay, the contacts, they're coming out. Which, fortunately, I have glasses Unfortunately, I haven't worn glasses since I was in high school. And it's really, really different. And uh, the whole world bends and whatever else like that. And I have spent the last week appreciating the fact that normally I can see. And by the way, I have my contacts back in this morning and I'm doing okay. But do we appreciate little things like that? 
Do you appreciate the fact that you can hear or taste? Taste the fig? Even as we go out here in the lobby in just a minute and taste these things? Uh, do you appreciate the family that you have, the friends that you have? Do you appreciate the fact that you live in a country where you can move about freely? Do you appreciate the fact that you got here to church this morning? Probably your car didn't break down. That's why you're here. But we have so many things that are good in our lives, we need to be more aware of them. We look right past them. We rush right past them. Be aware of what you have. Be grateful then for what you have. Everything is a gift. And everything can be taken in a minute, and you can lose it in a minute, and we've all had those experiences where something good was taken out of our lives. And sometimes we're like, oh, I should have appreciated that more. Well, I had that. Yes, you're right. We need to appreciate that. We need to be grateful. We need to say those thank yous. And sometimes those thank yous need to be expressed to other people. A lot of times they simply need to be expressed to God. Thank you for the good that I have in my life. And when we say thank you, what does that do? It reminds us that we have a God who is concerned about us. We have a God who's good, who's constantly giving us good things, who's providing, who's caring for us in our gratitude pushes us in a direction where we're reminded of that. Thirdly, we need to be content with what we have. We need to let enough be enough. You ever notice that having more often leads to more stress? It's not a great trade-off, isn't it? And sometimes we just need to say, you know what, I have enough. And I might not have enough as this guy, and I might not have enough as this person, but I have enough. I, I don't have to have what they have to be okay. And we can lean into that idea of, like, I'm good with what I have and be content with that. And then lastly, be generous or share what you have. I mentioned at the beginning that this phrase showed up in four places, and then we proceeded to read three places. Let me direct your attention to the fourth place in Scripture where this little phrase shows up. It's in the book of Zechariah, another one of the prophets, and he, again, is prophesying about the coming kingdom. When Jesus will come back, but he said this, In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. And so it goes in just a little bit different direction, doesn't it? But it's like, hey, if you've got a fig tree, invite somebody to come sit underneath it with you. You've got figs, share them with somebody else. You've got serenity, you can share that. You've got, you've got stability, you can share that. You've got, so what do you have in life that you can share with other people. We can share with them physically, literally. We can share with them relationally. We can share spiritually. But the idea is if you want to give, really experience the good life, you don't keep it to yourself. You share it with everybody around you. So the question this morning is, are you chasing this American dream? Or are you chasing this idea that God has of the fig tree life. There's a big contrast, isn't there? And so many times we get sucked into this busy rat uh, that we've got to do, we've got to achieve, we've got to accomplish, and we've got to collect. And God says, no, 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 I've got something better for you. You know, I've, I've got serenity. I, I've got stability. I, I've got sweetness. I've got security. I've got satisfaction. Why don't you just sit down and enjoy those things that I have for you? Let's pray. 
And so, Father, we pause today to be reminded of the fact that you are a good God. And you show your goodness in even the simplest of ways by giving us fruit that we can eat and that we can enjoy and that we will in a minute. But you give us all these other things, too, that are worth so much more than the things we chase after. You give us safety. You give us stability. You give us sweetness. You give us satisfaction, all those things. Help us in this moment, God, to rethink or to think again on what we want our lives to be about. And give us the clarity to pursue the things that are the best things, the most meaningful things, the most helpful things to us so that we can enjoy this fig tree life. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a couple questions. I always think it's good to reflect. First of all, to enjoy the fig tree life that God wants you to have, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus came, died on a cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that, that we could be restored to the Father, so that fig leaf that Adam and Eve hid behind, that we don't have to hide. Where we can know God and he can know us, and that's through Jesus Christ. If you've never taken that step, that decision to follow Jesus, I would encourage you to take that step today. It's the conversation you can have with him where you sit, inviting him into your life. Christ follower, lover of God, as you sit here this morning, are you experiencing a fig tree life? Or is your life marked by fear and anxiety and rush and friction and conflict and bitterness and frustration? That's not what God wants you to experience. And maybe you need to make a commitment before God as you sit to take at least like one step this week to pursue one of these ideas so that you can enjoy the fig tree life. God, help us to taste of the satisfaction that you offer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Thanks for joining us. Thanks to our kids for coming, for helping us out here too. As you exit this morning, there'll be the take-it-homes. If you don't have a magnet, grab a magnet too, but you can put that in your refrigerator. And that's just a reminder this week to enjoy the secure life to enjoy the satisfied life, the stable life, the sweet life, and the serene life. You can put that up as a reminder. But as you go out in the lobby, too, uh, we have a couple uh, ladies of the church. Appreciate their help. They have made a fig appetizer for you and a fig dessert for you that you can try. We also have fig Newtons, too, if you're a little worried about the fresh figs. And there are fresh figs that you can check those out. Have a great day. God bless you. You're dismissed.